Let's look to the Lord in a word of prayer. Our precious Heavenly Father, we are so thankful that you control the ebbs and tides of our universe and and the very details of our lives, Lord. Only you can take us from our homeless lives of hopelessness and despair and make us your children, partakers of your kingdom. Only you, Father, can make a king out of a young shepherd boy. We pray that you will open and prepare our hearts today for your word. Challenge us, Father, and let us not walk away from your word unchanged. In your precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. A young shepherd boy. What an amazing story. The scene is, is a crisp Bethlehem morning. As the gentle stream breaks across the rocks of, of the quiet pasture, see somewhere, even close by, war clouds are in the air. Battle lines form as adrenaline rushes with the apprehension of conflict, of battle, of victory, heroism, and excitement. But, but not in the quiet pasture. Not for young David. See, this day started out just like every other day for David. It consisted of chores and, and sheep. The same sheep he'd looked at and cared for day in, day out for as long as he could remember. Same sheep, same chores. Lead the sheep to the grass. Lead the sheep to the water. Lead the sheep back to the grass and then to the pen. Tomorrow, get up and and do it all over again. He'd certainly honed his sheep leadership skills. And sure, occasionally there was some excitement. There was, there was the excitement of protecting the flock from an attacking lion or bear. In fact, he'd gotten quite adept at, at using his sling. He was able to strike at enemies from a distance without having to get too close. That was exciting, but for the most part, it was pretty much the same daily routine. Sheep. It's not that there is an excitement around. See, close by, his, his three brothers, well, they're in the Israeli army and, and they're entrenched in battle against the Philistines. But David, he, he was the youngest. He was the smallest, the scrawniest, the least experienced, while his brother's callings consisted of travel and adventure and battle and, and heroism. His calling was sheep. And he performed his duty faithfully and, and skillfully. But on this ordinary morning, it would soon become very clear to David that, well, his pasture task, that had been no ordinary job. And this was no ordinary day. And it all started with a very simple request. I want you to turn today to 1 Samuel chapter 17. Here's the setup. We're going to start in verse 2. We have a lot to read, so we're going to move quickly. And here's the battle as Israel is entrenched against the Philistines, this is the same battle that David's three brothers are at. Saul is king at the time. And they faced an enemy in the Philistines unlike any they'd ever known before, especially one particular Philistine. We're going to start in verse 2. Saul and the Israelites assembled and camped in the valley of Elah and drew up their battle lines to meet the Philistines. The Philistines occupied one hill and the Israelites another, with the valley between them. A champion named Goliath, who was from Gath, came out of the Philistine camp. He was over nine feet tall. He had a bronze helmet on his head and wore a coat of scale armor of bronze weighing 5,000 shekels. 
On his legs he wore bronze greaves and a bronze javelin was slung on his back. His spear shaft was like a weaver's rod and its iron point weighed 600 shekels. His shield bearer went ahead of him. Goliath stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, Why do you come out and line up for battle? Am I not a Philistine and are you not the servants of Saul? Then choose a man and have him come down to me. If he is able to fight and kill me, we will become your subjects. But if I overcome him and kill him, you will become our subjects and serve us. Then the Philistine said, This day I defy the ranks of Israel. Give me a man and let us fight each other. On hearing the Philistine's words, Saul and all the Israelites were dismayed and terrified. Not, not much of a battle, was it? And now in verse 12, we find David, the little shepherd boy. Now David was the son of an Ephrathite named Jesse, who was from Bethlehem in Judah. Jesse had eight sons, and in Saul's time he was old and well advanced in years. Jesse's three oldest sons had followed Saul to the war. The firstborn was Eliab, the second Abinadab, and the third Shammah. David was the youngest. The three oldest followed Saul, but David went back and forth from Saul to tend his father's sheep at Bethlehem. For 40 days, the Philistine came forward every morning and evening and took his stand. Now Jesse said to his son David, here it is, take this ephah of roasted grain and these 10 loaves of bread for your brothers and hurry to their camp. Take along these 10 cheeses to the commander of their unit. See how your brothers are and bring back some assurance from them. There with Saul and all the men of Israel in the valley of Elah fighting against the Philistines. Early in the morning, David left the flock with a shepherd, loaded up and set out as Jesse had directed. He reached the camp as the army was going out to its battle positions, shouting the war cry. I want us to focus on David's attitude, his willingness, his obedience. See, when David was asked to mind the sheep, he did it to the best of his skill. When he was asked to deliver lunch to his brothers... He did it quickly and willingly. See, David never felt he was too important, that he was, he was too skilled. He was never too important to do the most menial of tasks. David had a great attitude. And with every task that was presented to him and with every obedient response from David, God was setting up something amazing. Let's keep reading. Verse 21. Israel and the Philistines were drawing up their lines facing each other. Here we go again. David left his things in the keep, with the keeper of supplies, ran to the battle lines and greeted his brothers. As he was talking to them, Goliath, the Philistine champion from Gath, stepped out from his lines as he had done every day and shouted his usual defiance. And David heard it. When the Israelites saw the man, they all ran from him in great fear. Skip down. Verse 32. David said to Saul, King Saul, let no one lose heart on account of this Philistine. Your servant will go and fight him. Saul replied, you're not able to go out against this Philistine and fight him. You're only a boy. And he has been a fighting man from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be just like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. Saul was convinced. He said to David, go and the Lord be with you. Then Saul dressed David in his own tunic. He put a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened his sword over the tunic and tried walking around because he wasn't used to them. 
I cannot go in these, he said to Saul, because I'm not used to them. So he took them off. Then he took his staff in his hand, chose five smooth stones from the stream, put them in the pouch of his shepherd's bag, and with his sling in his hand, approached the Philistine. Meanwhile, the Philistine, with his shield bearer in front of him, kept coming closer to David. He looked David over and saw that he was only a boy, ruddy and handsome, and he despised him. He said to David, am I a dog that you come at me with sticks? And the Philistines cursed David by his gods. Come here, he said, and I'll give your flesh to the birds of the air and the beasts of the field. David said to the Philistine, you come against me with sword and spear and javelin, but I come against you in the name of the Lord Almighty, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. This day, the Lord will hand you over to me and I'll strike you down and cut off your head. Today I will give the carcasses of the Philistine army to the birds of the air and the beasts of the earth. And the whole world will know that there is a God in Israel. All those gathered here will know that it is not by sword or spear that the Lord saves. For the battle is the Lord's and he will give all of you into our hands. Game over. As the Philistine moved closer to attack him, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet him. Reaching into his bag and taking out a stone, he slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone sank into his forehead and he fell face down on the ground. So David triumphed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone. Without a sword in his hand, he struck down the Philistine and killed him. David ran and stood over him. He took hold of the Philistine's sword and drew it from the scabbard. After he killed him, he cut off his head with the sword. When the Philistines saw that their hero was dead, they turned and ran. Then the men of Israel and Judah surged forward with a shout and pursued the Philistines to the entrance of Gath and to the gates of Ekron. Their dead were strewn along the Sherim road to Gath and Ekron. What an amazing story. What an amazing transformation. Just that morning, what started out as a quiet day with the sheep in the pasture ended with the single greatest underdog victory in the history of conflict. From a shepherd boy to a celebrated hero warrior and eventually to the greatest earthly king the nation of Israel would ever know. What made the change? How did it happen? How did the boy become the hero? You've undoubtedly heard or read the story of David versus Goliath countless number of times, starting from childhood. And every time we focus on, on the battle, David's courage, his faith in God, the underdog victory, these are all good things, but to answer the question of how did the little shepherd boy become such a hero, we're not going to look at the battle. We're not going to look at that battlefield. See, there was nothing really amazing that David did on that battlefield. The battle wasn't really won there. It was won a long time ago. We're going to go back. Through spiritual eyes, we're going to look at the accomplishment that took place before the battle. We're going to go back to that quiet pasture with the sheep. Back to that training ground where God was preparing a king. We're going to go back and look at David's obedience, his cooperation with God in the preparation process back in that training ground. Wait, training ground? Didn't you say sheep pasture? Didn't you say running errands? Gopher boy. That's hardly a training ground. That's... Hardly much of a training camp for greatness. Surely that couldn't have been it. There, there had to be something more. David, I'm sure, went to royalty polishing school. I'm sure there was some 
giant killing class he had to pass in warrior training college. I, th- that couldn't have been it. It couldn't have been sheep. That couldn't have been the secret of, of David's training and preparation process. No, no, the training process was exactly it. But the secret of David's success wasn't man-made training. It was God-ordained. God's preparation process. It was his diligence and obedience in that sheep pasture. Today we're in the same boat. Whether, whether you believe it or not, God is preparing you to be something greater than you could ever dream or imagine. But you don't just get there. It doesn't just happen. You don't arrive. You've got to finish the training. You've got to go through the training at every step of the way. And the training never ends. God trains us for something and gives us a test. Then he trains us for the next thing, gives us another test. We've got to go through the training. You can't skip steps. And today there's three very simple key steps that I want to look at in light of God's preparation process. We're going to see it in the life of David and we're going to see it in each and every one of our own lives. Three key steps in God's preparation. Step one, staying where God wants us. Look, certainly David was resourceful. We saw that. He could have found means to leave his, his father's household and, and get away from the shepherd job he was assigned and the chores he was assigned. He could have joined the ranks of the army like his other brothers. But he didn't. He stayed. He stayed in the place God had placed him. Had he been in some far off land at the time, he would not have been available to to deliver food to his brothers and thus to meet up with Goliath and to kill him and eventually to become king of his nation. Had he been in the army, you know where he would have been? Trembling with all the other soldiers. He too would have fell to that paralyzing fear that took hold of all their hearts when they saw Goliath. God put him in the pasture for a reason. David didn't necessarily understand it at the time. Did he have bigger plans? Did he have greater dreams and aspirations? Did he desire to be somewhere else doing something more important? Most likely, yes. David was human, just like each and every one of us. But the key was he stayed in the place God put him. And did it pay off? Oh, resoundingly, yes. Do you find yourself today in the same place David did? Do you find yourself in the midst of of the mundane? Do you find yourself peeking out over that pasture fence to see what else is out there? Greener pastures, better opportunities, more excitement. God puts you where you are for a reason. He wants to train you and prepare you for something great. But it can only happen if you stay where he's placed you and you stay there willingly. Look, you can easily find a place that's more comfortable for you in your flesh. You can easily find a place that's more exciting for you, more suited to your tastes. That's not groundbreaking. But if it's not where God wants you to be, then you've got to ask yourself, how is this going to impact God's plan for my life? How is it going to impact what he wanted to do through me, what he wanted to make of me, what he wanted to do in my life? Scare tactic. No, it's not a scare tactic. It's scriptural principle. Look, where do you think the nation of Israel would be? How would it have affected the nation of Israel and its very legacy had David been disobediently out of the pasture, out of God's will, and unable to fulfill the task of taking lunch to his brothers 
and thus meeting up with Goliath. What would have changed for Israel in its very legacy? You know the answer? Surprisingly, absolutely nothing. Because God would have raised up someone else. Oh, the names in the story would have changed. We would have been reading about someone else today. But the loss wouldn't have been God's. It would, have, would not have been for the nation of Israel. See, we don't get back at God by disobeying. We don't get back at authority when we disobey. The only one who loses is, is you. But David didn't miss out. He didn't miss out on the blessing. He was prepared because he stayed. He was in that place God had placed him when the opportunity came. And I love this. He chose not to choose for himself. He chose to let God do the choosing for him. And he found out the same thing we all find out. When we stay in the center of God's will, his choices are always best. May not necessarily be what we would have chosen for our lives, but in retrospect, looking back, it's the best possible thing for us. Step two in God's preparation process. Learning what he wants us to learn. Do you know what the number one question asked at every level by math students in math classes all across the country. When am I ever going to use this in real life? (laughs) Every level. I'm sure the thought wasn't far from David's mind when he was tending those sheep. But ask those students years later and you'll be amazed at some of the responses from the cashier using arithmetic every day to the construction worker using geometry to calculate angles, to the mortgage broker calculating compound interest, to the procurement specialist doing statistical and trending analysis. That sure came in handy. Ask David years into his reign as king of Israel about leading people. And I'm sure he would have said, well, it's a lot like leading sheep. See, David made the most of his training days. He learned everything he could where God placed him during that assignment. It was during those slow days tending the sheep when David had breaks and he was able to to hone his craft as a musician and a songwriter. His songs later would, would bring encouragement to his very soul during his cave hideout days. His psalms today, they're the definitive reference for praise and worship music. If David wasn't there and learning what God wanted him to, doing what God wanted him to. Had he not had his shepherd job and stayed in it, there may never have been time to work on his musicianship. What else? What else did David learn? See, it was his experience with learning how to use the sling to attack intruders from afar that made his battle with Goliath a successful one. Look, had David been trained traditionally in the Israeli army, he would have marched out with sword in hand covered in his armor to face Goliath for close combat. Nine foot six Goliath versus five foot nothing David. The battle would have lasted all of 15 seconds and David would have been slaughtered. See, swords required close combat. Spears were too unwieldy and difficult to accurately aim and they wouldn't even pierce Goliath's bronze armor. Where could the army of Israel find one trained in distant combat with sniper-like accuracy. And and, and where would one train in such a skill? I'll look no farther than that sheep pasture. 
where David had to fend off bears and lions with ultra-accurate slingshot precision from a distance. Did God know what he was doing? Absolutely. God's training ground for David was the exact type of training God knew David would need. Did David know it at the time? No, there was no way he could have. But he was faithful. He was faithful to learn what God wanted him to at the time. Do we imitate that behavior today? Are we learning what God wants us to in the circumstances we find ourselves in? Or are we stuck complaining about the sheep pasture? It's hot. It's boring. The sheep, they don't listen to me. Look, my skills aren't, aren't being used here. I feel my talents are, are just wasted. This is not my cup of tea. This is not what I signed up for. Hey, look, this rubs me the wrong way. I can be so much more than this, but I'm stuck here. It's not fair. God's not fair. Look, it may not be to your liking. You're absolutely right. You may have more talents and skills, but that's where God puts you. Now let's move on and see what it is he wants us to learn here. And let's learn it. See, the opportunity to defeat Goliath may never have been presented to David by God if David never took the time to learn what he needed to. If he had been stuck in complaint mode, spinning his wheels, where would he have been? How many years? How many years can go wasted complaining? Complaining about our lot rather than learning what God wants us to and rising above it and eventually moving beyond it. See, even though David didn't necessarily understand what God was doing, why God had asked him to mind the sheep when when others were doing things that seemed so much more important. He stayed and he did it. God had a plan and David was obedient in it. He stayed where God wanted him to and he learned what he wanted him to learn. Step three in God's preparation process, applying what he teaches us. God puts us in a place to learn from our circumstances. To learn from the situations he puts us in and the obstacles he puts in front of us. It's pointless to learn all of God's truths and his principles and then never apply them when the time comes. Look, we can dive into his word. We can know it all. We can memorize all the scriptures. We can study all the verses in the Bible. We can understand every promise, every proclamation, every principle. But if we fail to apply them when we need to, then, then, then what have we really accomplished? How disappointing it would have been if David, when faced with the challenge of, of Goliath, said, I have no idea. I don't know how to go fight someone like this. This is, this, is not, this is not my thing. Check with my brothers, trembling in the corner. No, David, look, we read it. David said, hey, this is, this is just a man. I fought off lions and bears. God has helped me before and God's going to help me again. Been there, done that. God came through. He'll come through again. How encouraging. What an attitude David had. But how do we react in the same situation? God brings us through so much and he teaches us so much. But when that repeat trial comes our way, do we sometimes act like 
We've never seen such a thing. We, we don't know how to respond. We've never faced such a challenge. At that time, our eyes move off the Lord. Our faith shrinks back and we retreat. All those principles we learned, all those trials we've already been through, what happened? Did we really apply anything we've learned? Take a listen today at the subject matter of recent sermons, Bible study, scripture memory verses that we've had here in our very assembly. Listen to some of these topics. The importance of the word of God. Separation. Prayer. Obedience. Service. Dealing with despair. Trusting in the Lord. Trials and testings. Subjection and submission. Spiritual warfare. The outcome of the righteous. It's all there for us. And wonderful. You heard the message. You learned the Bible verses. They're good to know and understand. But what happens when, when the trials come? What happens when it's time to use them? What happens when it's time to obey when it's difficult? When it's time to sacrifice when it's costly? What happens when it's time to separate when it's embarrassing? To stand when it's not popular? All the... the the teachings and the principles, well, well, they're good in theory, but it's too difficult in reality. That's a sad excuse from someone who's never been able to step up to the plate. Look, we're not in this journey to, to just fill our head with knowledge. We're not here to collect principles and then do nothing with them. David was so blessed with the preparation he received. And likewise, each one of us, we're so blessed We're so blessed with what God has taught us, what He continues to teach us. We're so blessed with the Scriptures, the teachings, the principles, the counsel. God has invested so much in us, but it can't be an empty return. At some point, God wants a return on His investment. It's time to get up and walk. It's time to get up and serve. It's time to finally take that stand. It's time to stop analyzing and theorizing. Stop and start doing and obeying and believing. There comes a time when God says, look, the pasture days are over now. Training camp is done. Spring training, that's over. It's time. You're up to bat. What are we going to do? We've got to apply what we've learned. We have to put to use that preparation that He's blessed us with. And when you combine godly preparation with timely application, amazing things can be achieved for the Lord. Did we see it in the Scripture? Yeah. We saw it in David's life. We saw it in the transformation David went through. Oh, wait a minute. David, this guy's in the Bible. David had a unique opportunity. This is me here at San Ramon. What can God do through me? Oh, he can do amazing things. Remember, David was just a lowly shepherd boy. There was nothing special about David as a human being, but but he stayed where God wanted him. He learned what God wanted him to learn and he applied it when God needed him to apply it. When the call came, and a very ordinary call it was, what, take lunch to your brothers? That's what it was. David did it willingly and the rest was history. Don't take anything God asks you to do for granted. Nothing's too menial. Next time you're asked to take lunch to someone, you never know what God has in store. 
David's story, it's true, is, is one of being in the right place at the right time with the right preparation. But, but it's not by chance. It's not by fate. It was ordained by God. Amen. Ordained by God's will, his direction, his leading. Think about it. What was David's entire contribution to defeating the giant, to winning the hearts of his people, and to eventually becoming the greatest king in the history of Israel? What, what was his entire contribution? Was it his marksmanship with the sling? No, that came as a result of, of protecting the sheep. That's where he was assigned. Was it his experience? All he knew was sheep herding. Was it his planning, his great strategizing? Now, the battle was an impromptu one. David had no great strategy or plan. God provided everything. David's entire contribution to this amazing transformation was obedience. God took care of everything else. From the training ground to the sparring partners down to the battle weapons. God covered the bases. So celebrate and admire David, not because he... He defeated Goliath, but because he faithfully obeyed and delivered lunch to his brothers. God took that obedience and that preparedness and he made a king out of a shepherd boy. You want to do something great for God? You want to be a hero for Christ? Start by obeying in the small things. Do the small things in a great way and watch where God can take you. Follow David's lead. Stay where he's placed you. Learn what he teaches you and apply those principles when they're needed. Follow David's lead. Live faithfully and trust God for your future. Trust God for the results. Stop trying to make yourself into something and let God make you. It's a simple recipe, but, but with consistently amazing results. So if you're there today, get off that fence. Get back into that pasture. Stop peeking over at the other pastures, at the other lands. There's nothing for you there but heartache and missed opportunities. God has ordained your placement so far to this point. Place your dreams. Take all your hopes and aspirations and desires and wishes. Put them in His hands. He's never let you down. He may have a different path for you. may not be the one you would have chosen. But the results will far exceed your greatest expectations. If you foolishly walked out of that ordained pasture, if you left God's training grounds for whatever reason, it's, it's too hard. There's too many things to give up here. There's so much else out there for me to experience. If you've taken the matter of your life into your own hands, I ask you one simple question. How's it going? How successful have you been at directing your life? And do you have peace with where you're headed? If you've never given full control of your life to Jesus Christ, if you're tired of trying on your own, follow David's lead. Choose not to choose any longer. Let God do the choosing for you. The only choice you have to make is to choose him and let him do the rest. If he can take a shepherd boy and and turn him into a king, what can he do through you? The possibilities are so amazing. And think about it. What's required of you? Is there, is there some great test you have to pass? Is there some great training you have to go through? No, the, the only thing you've got to do is obey. Stay in the pasture. Abide with Him. Learn and apply.
He's going to equip you with everything you need. He's going to provide the training. He's going to provide all the tools and the experience. He's going to present the challenge. He's going to lead you to the point of your giant. And you know what? He's going to win the victory for you. All you've got to do is show up. It's all David did. He showed up. Show up and obey. Such a no-brainer. Then why does it work out that way so often for so many? It's a nice theory, but that's a little naive. Life's harder than that. You want to know why it's harder? Because our will gets in the way. What we want gets in the way of what God's trying to do. Our will gets in the way of what God wants to accomplish in our lives. Our will gets in the way of where God wants us to be when we need to be there. Our will gets in the way when we need most to apply God's principles in our lives. Oh, that's... You know, that's more comfortable for me. No, 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 no. I can't do that. That's more convenient for me over there. That, that requires a little too much. I'm not ready for that. Not ready for that kind of commitment. Look, I want to call my own shots my own way in my own time. Good luck with that. Let me know how it turns out for you. Friend, there's a better way. There's God's way. It's proven, it's time-tested, it's foolproof. But it requires us to leave our will at the door. Check our will at the door. Are you ready to do that today? Are you prepared like David to say, look, it may not be what I would choose for myself and I may not even understand it, but I'll be prepared to do whatever you ask me to, Lord. And I'll do it wholeheartedly. I'll learn what you want me to. I'll stay where you want me to be and I'll apply everything you teach me when you need me to apply it. What God can do with an attitude like that today. Are you ready? Are you ready to live like David? To live with a kind of boldness and courage that says, what do you want me to do today, Lord? I'm here and I'm yours. Open slate. What an attitude. If you're ready, then simply choose not to choose. Be like David. Choose not to choose your will any longer. Choose not to choose your own way any longer. Choose not to choose your own aspirations, your own dreams, your own desires. Choose not to choose your own path, your own journey, your own future. Choose to let him choose for you. Amen. Put it in his hands. Choose Christ. Stand back and let the world be in awe of what God can accomplish through you. Amen. Let's close in prayer. Heavenly Father, a shepherd boy, just a shepherd boy, became a, a king through simple obedience to you. We thank you for the example you've given us in David. We thank you for that kind of faith, that kind of obedience that says, I choose to let you choose for me, Lord. We thank you for the truth of your principles. We thank you for the reality of your principles. We've seen throughout history and throughout our own lives, what you can do when we turn the reins of our lives over to you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you today for the preparation that we can clearly see took place in David's life and we know is taking place in ours. 
We may not always understand it. We may not always like it or, or, or be comfortable with it, but the truth is we wouldn't want it any other way. We wouldn't want anything else, Lord, because we know that you want to make us into more than we could ever dream to be. We pray, Lord, that as you mold us into the men and women of faith that, that you want us to be, that we stay willingly in your hands, Amen. that we stay right in the center of your will. We want to be right where you want us, Lord, learning and applying what you teach us and prepared for whatever you call us to do, whenever you call us. Lord, we place all of our dreams, all of our hopes and aspirations in your hands. You've never failed us. In your own time and in our own obedience, you've never failed to exceed every one of them. We love you. We thank you for being with us today, Lord, and for challenging us with your word. In the precious name of your Son, we pray. Amen. Amen.